This week on Miranda Warnings, we talked to Mondaire Jones, first-term congressman from New York's 17th District, who spent his first week in Congress experiencing the insurrection at the Capitol. By the way, at the time, there were about 200 of us in that chamber, uh, between the folks who were on the floor, the first level, and the folks who were in the gallery overlooking the floor. And so that loud banging noise meant that there was no security, there was nothing, no one protecting us from the outside, uh, and that any moment could be a moment when uh, th- those same domestic terrorists uh, actually broke through those doors and, and into the chamber. And uh, as I looked around, there were only a handful of security officers, uh, and, and maybe all of them were in the photo that, um, that became uh, widely disseminated after the fact of, of those officers with guns drawn at, at, at one of those doors in the chamber. Uh, and so I thought that I would lose my life potentially. Uh, in the chamber that day. Congressman Jones describes what it was like to be inside the Capitol chamber on that fateful day and what the consequences should be for members of Congress who aided the insurrectionists. We also discussed President Biden's legislative agenda, Before the People Act, and Congressman Jones's efforts to have Rudy Giuliani disbarred from the practice of law in the state of New York. I'm Dave Miranda, past president of the New York State Bar Association and partner at the intellectual property law firm of Heslin, Rothenberg, Farley and Mercedes in Albany, New York. This is Miranda Warnings. You have the right to remain listening. Welcome, Representative Jones. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be with you and your listeners today. Well, it is great to have you and I want to congratulate you on your recent election to Congress. Congratulations. Thank you. You've had a you've had a busy first month, and I'd want to talk a little bit first about uh, y- your background. I know that you worked in the Justice Department under President Obama, and then uh, went to Harvard Law School. Uh, what was it like to work in the Justice Department before you went to law school? It was a dream. Uh, I was there on a postgraduate fellowship and had never worked in the federal government. Certainly not. Uh, in a, a presidential administration before, you know, for a kid who grew up in Section 8 housing and on food stamps, uh, to immediately get the opportunity to work for uh, an historic president, someone who, uh, at the time, you know, we we felt, you know, would be transformative, and in whom I saw myself uh, to an extent, uh, was was really a, a great opportunity, and. Um, and I took advantage of that. You know, I had great people around me who were mentors and we got to work on really substantive issues, um, you know, specifically in the space of reducing the recidivism of people who are leaving federal prisons uh, and helping them reintegrate into our society where they can become contributing members. And so, you know, because of that experience, as well as other experience that you've had, you decide to run for Congress uh, you're you're working you're you're seeking the seat that was formerly held by uh, Nita Lowy, long-term Congressperson. You are uh, relatively new to to politics. You you run a great campaign. You win. You go to Washington, and then the first week uh, is one of the most difficult weeks in our nation's history. You were on the floor, uh, or you were in the chamber of the House during the insurrection on January 6th. Tell us a little bit about what that was like. It was a harrowing experience. And 
many have made the observation that uh, if on, on day four you had nearly been killed of any new job, that would be great cause to uh, reconsider your employment. But for me, it, it strengthened my resolve to, to do the things that I ran on uh, last year. And, and in fact, over the course of the year and a half long congressional campaign, I was in the House chamber. I was seated uh, with uh, members of the Democratic House leadership team. I'm, I'm the youngest member of the House Democratic leadership team. Uh, and we were there for the purpose of listening to uh, what was supposed to be a routine uh, certification of the November presidential election. Uh, I quickly became frustrated by the aspersions and uh, complete uh, lies, frankly, uh, being espoused and disseminated by my Republican colleagues, uh, you know, allegations of mass voter fraud without evidence. And, and then to make matters so much dramatically worse, someone from Capitol Security or the Sergeant at Arms uh, interrupted the program to make an announcement that the Capitol had been breached and that the same people who had breached the Capitol were likely making their way to the House chamber, uh, which is uh, that, that chamber that people see on C-SPAN when, when people are, when members of Congress are debating on the House floor and that we should look under our seats and search for gas masks in the event that tear gas need to be used, uh, that we should prepare to lie down on the ground in the event of gunfire, uh, and that, of course, we would have to lock down the chamber from the inside. M minutes later, there was a very loud banging noise uh, behind me at one of the doors, and that was perhaps the most alarming thing because Anyone who's ever gone into the House chamber knows that there is security posted outside of every single entrance into the House chamber for the purpose of keeping anyone except members of Congress uh, and maybe some of the staff from Nancy Pelosi and, and Steny Hoyer from, from, getting onto the, uh, from getting onto the floor. And by the way, at the time, there were about 200 of us in that chamber uh, between the folks who were on the floor, the first level, and the folks who were in the gallery overlooking the floor. And so that loud banging noise meant that there was no security. There was nothing, no one protecting us from the outside. Uh, and that any moment could be a moment when uh, th those same domestic terrorists uh, actually broke through those doors and, and into the chamber. And uh, as I looked around, there were only a handful of security officers. Uh, and, and maybe all of them were in the photo that, um, that became uh, widely disseminated after the fact of, of those officers with guns drawn at, at, at one of those doors in the chamber. Uh, and so I thought that I would lose my life potentially uh, in the chamber that day and, and, and sort of was, was, was preparing along with uh, a, a former NFL player and my colleague Colin Alred from Texas and a few other folks to, to do battle there in the event that, um, that they were able to take the, take the chamber. Thankfully, we were evacuated in the nick of time uh, through tunnels and to a more secure location. But even that process was quite frantic. Uh, they so, were, yeah. so prior to the evacuation, you were, you were thinking that security has been breached. Uh, we're, we're stuck in this, in the chamber here. Um, we're going to have to prepare to defend ourselves, uh, for what is coming. That is, that is right. That is right. Uh, there, there was, 
no confidence on my part, and I suspect on the part of most of the people in the chamber, uh, that we would make it out of that room without having to at least encounter the domestic terrorists who had sieged the Capitol and and really had sieged uh, the, the perimeter of the House chamber. Let me ask you, what were your colleagues doing at this time when you said you had a few minutes when you knew there was a problem and you weren't evacuated yet? What was going on in, in the House at that time? Well, Ruben Gallego from Arizona, uh, who has served in our military, uh, was sort of taking a leadership role. Um, he had sort of deputized himself, and I think that was the appropriate thing to do in that situation, given uh, the general failure of uh, security leadership, uh, and to instruct us on how to, um, you know, on, on on how to find those masks and how to generally to, to put them on, uh, and, and was also, uh, commanding the room. And, you know, this is something that none of us had ever done before, right? We didn't know how to put on gas masks, uh, for the most part, I'll, I'll just speak for myself, and I, but, but based on what I observed, no one else knew what they were doing either. All right. So, so then at, at some point who leads you to, uh, this, uh, you know, undisclosed location? Yeah, it was either Capitol Security or someone from the uh, officers from the, the Sergeant at Arms. Who, and, and is it the whole house that they take into the same spot? Certainly, the members of on the who were on the House floor. I mean, I, and I know that people who are in the gallery found themselves found themselves in the same room that we ultimately ended up in. I will say, given the miscommunication, uh, we were many. Some of us uh, went to a cafeteria, which was completely unsecure. Uh, prior to going to the, uh, the, the, the final destination, uh, so to speak, uh, which, which was that secure facility where, unfortunately, a number of my colleagues got COVID, um, likely because our Republican colleagues in the room largely decided not to wear masks, despite the fact that a colleague of, you know, within their, the Republican conference had just died a, a couple of weeks earlier. Now, you've you now obviously this uh, this could have been much worse. Obviously, it was a, a great tragedy, um, and I think through sheer good fortune, uh, it wasn't worse. You've called for a full investigation into the security breaches. Um, you've been outspoken about the insurrectionists uh, having co-conspirators in the House and the Senate. Um, have you uh, come to find out? Any more information about uh, coordination uh, with uh, members of the House or the Senate that the insurrectionists may have had? Uh, the things I'm aware about, uh, or aware of rather, have been publicly reported, and uh, we continue to learn every single day additional information about the, the level of coordination between members of Congress and uh, and those domestic terrorists who you saw storm the Capitol on January 6th. Um, this is something that is ongoing in terms of the investigation. Uh, we, I expect as a member of the House Ethics Committee to receive a number of complaints related to that issue. And so we we'll certainly not want to prejudge uh, any particular case. Uh, but generally speaking, people who are responsible for inciting the violent insurrection on January 6th uh, must be expelled from the United States House of Representatives and the Senate. I have co-sponsored uh, Congresswoman Cory Bush's resolution in the House that would do precisely that. Uh, we cannot tolerate a situation where there are enemies of the United States, literally, from within 
who would do the same thing all over again, uh, especially given the lack of accountability that has been demonstrated in the, in the, in the weeks since January 6th and, and, and utter lack of self-reflection. So, I mean, where are we now in, in seeking to expel those uh, members of Congress uh, that were perhaps coordinating uh, with the insurrectionists? Uh, where are we in that process? We are in the investiga- investigatory stage, and it is unclear to me when that will wrap up. Uh, but from what I can tell, the progress, great progress is being made. Uh, and my colleagues in the House of Representatives, at least on the Democratic side, uh, stand ready to hold everyone responsible, accountable. And I'm hopeful that Republicans of good conscience will also uh, will also join us in that. Now, there have been increased security measures uh, at the Capitol since then. Um, I know members of Congress are not supposed to bring guns in. There's, uh, uh, you know, they have to go through security now. Um, but that's some, in fact, have taken guns into the uh, floor of the chamber. Um, what's your feeling on that? We should not have guns in legislative office buildings or in the Capitol. And that is, in fact, the rule. Uh, it is unfortunate that some of my colleagues uh, continue to flout that rule, uh, even in the days following the near massacre of members of Congress, including themselves. And it is something that must be addressed in the form of uh, what we have seen from the speaker uh, in the announcement of fines for bringing firearms onto the House floor. But it's not just the House floor. You know, I'm in the same hallway as Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, Cori Bush has already moved her office. I'm not going to do that. Uh, however, uh, you know, there are people uh, like her and Lon Boebert who have shown no willingness to adhere to any common sense rules uh, that would protect the safety of members of Congress and staff persons and maintenance staff and everyone else who works in the House of Representatives and in the Senate uh, who helped to, to, to make this government work and, and run. Um, and so we, we have to make sure that we are uh, making it untenable for them to continue that behavior without consequence. Can we expect to see you know, Representative Taylor Green and uh, Boebert uh, on that short list for expulsion? It, it you know it depends on what we're expelling people for. Uh, we, we've learned so much in the past few days about what Marjorie Taylor Green did prior to being an elected member of Congress, uh, and so you know that I think is is in and of itself grounds for expulsion. Um, just the, the the behavior that she has shown, the den- the denying of of uh, the park the Parkland shooting, uh, and of um, and of course of what happened uh, in in Connecticut, and, and you know with these with these children, and so I, I just think that there must be accountability, uh, and that starts of course with Leader McCarthy saying this is unacceptable, members of the Republican caucus. Uh, we, you, are, you are not part of this caucus if you espouse these views. You are not part of this caucus if you, um, if you state that people should assassinate the, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. Uh, you are not part of this caucus and should not be a member of the United States Congress if you would actively seek to do harm to any member of this body. And unfortunately, we have not seen any statements like that. 
from Leader McCarthy. And, and this transcends party affiliation. This, this, what happened on January 6th obviously was an assault on democracy itself. Um, but the statements made by Marjorie Taylor Greene prior to being a member of Congress even uh, represent an assault on, on the our American values, on you know, the, the safety of all of us, uh, and, and of course, on, on the institution. Now, Representative Jones, you've very quickly become a leader in Congress. Uh, you were elected by your fellow uh, first-term members in, in the Democratic side, at least, to represent their interests with the Democratic leadership. Uh, what, what concerns do the first-termers uh, have that you're speaking for? Most of the concerns shared by the freshmen members of Congress are concerns shared throughout the caucus, the Democratic caucus, and uh, and that is, you know, how can we deliver for the American people with a slim majority uh, in the House, and how can we convince our colleagues in the Senate that we must press forward on a bold, ambitious agenda that will actually meet the moment we face overlapping crises uh, from imminent climate catastrophe to the worst public health crisis in a century uh, to the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression. And if we are to retain the majority in 2022, uh, we will have to actually legislate and enact policies that materially improve the lives of the American people uh, of course, when you are a freshman member of Congress, you are also uh, clamoring for opportunities to lead and to show your district that you can lead. And, and, and that is something that, um, you know, in, in a historically top-down environment in the House of Representatives, uh, I think will continue to be a, a tension, but it is, it is one that we are working through. I mean, the position that I have as freshman representative to leadership uh, is a position that did not always exist. Uh, it, it, it was created in the past few years um, as, as a form of progress. <laughs> and then, right. Well, it seems like uh, Speaker Pelosi certainly uh, is indicating that she wants to listen to uh, new members' concerns uh, and uh, address those. Uh, obviously, you've had an opportunity to deal with uh, the Speaker. How, how's that relationship been? It's a great relationship. I mean, we, we meet the, the leadership team on at least a weekly basis. And everyone wants to know what I think. Uh, everyone understands that uh, the, the, the freshman members of Congress are as uh, powerful as any other member of Congress uh, in, terms of, uh, in terms of our votes and, and, and how we feel about any number of issues. Um, and it is an op it has been an opportunity for me to express the views of the freshman class uh, in the area of impeachment, for example, of uh, the former president of the United States for a second time, uh, which my class uh, uniformly supported, and uh, in any number of issues. And so I'm really grateful for the opportunity to have a safe space to, to voice those concerns and uh, and to be asked what I think about any number of things. I know you've been a big supporter of the proposed For the People Act uh, that uh, is seeking to ease requirements for voter registration, also funding election security. Tell us a little bit about the For the People Act and, and why it's so important. 
the For the People Act, also known as HR one, uh, has now gotten the designation of Senate Bill one, uh, which is just the latest expression of the priority that this legislation will take in the 117th Congress. It is the most important bill next to COVID-19 relief that this Congress can pass right now. It contains a set of critical democracy reforms to literally save and strengthen our democracy, which is under assault. I will remind everyone that what happened on January 6th, that violent insurrection began as a myth, a myth of voter fraud, that somehow the November election was stolen from Donald J. Trump. Um, it is not a myth uh, that people actually spend much time thinking about on the Republican side. They can't, they can't point to mass voter fraud, but it's meant to lay the foundation for another decade of voter suppression, like what we saw in the form of racist voter ID laws following the election of Barack Obama in 2008, uh, the closure of, of polling locations and uh, especially Southern states and black and brown communities. And so HR1 would uh, do automatic voter registration to enfranchise an additional 50 million people nationally. It would end the process of partisan gerrymandering of congressional districts by state legislatures throughout this country and replace that process with independent redistricting commissions uh, so that people who prevail in uh, their primaries are not safely coasting to victory uh, in the way that Marjorie Taylor Greene and, and Lauren Bobart have been able to. Uh, it would moderate and make more sane <laughs> the Republicans who have been elected to Congress um, who are you know acting in concert in some instances with with the domestic terrorists that we saw uh, on January 6. It is critical uh, to salvage our democracy, and I think it would free up people like Kevin McCarthy to actually show leadership in their caucus and not worry about well a primary challenge in his own district uh, or you know just not being elected again as minority leader. Uh, so these are these are systemic reforms and. Uh, Lastly, in terms of the really big ticket items, it would create a system of public financing of congressional of congressional elections so that people from working class backgrounds have a better chance of getting elected to Congress. Well, sounds like a, a very important uh, piece of legislation and I uh, appreciate your sharing that with us. I want to ask you uh, briefly, uh, I know that you joined with uh, uh, Congressperson Ted Liu uh, in filing a disciplinary complaint with the Appellate Division First Department regarding the conduct of Rudy Giuliani. Uh, of course, uh, disciplinary complaints go to the Appellate Division First Department, not to the New York State Bar Association. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the basis for that uh, complaint that you filed. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this because it is an example, I think, of how members of Congress can use their platforms uh, outside of the United States government to, to, to hold powerful people to account, uh, to improve our society, and in this case, the legal profession. You know, Ted Lou and I are both members of the Judiciary Committee and attorneys. And here's an example, Rudy Giuliani, of someone who, uh, frankly, should have been disbarred a long time ago, uh, but more recently has, has violated every norm, uh, every ethical requirement, uh, that we have in, in the area of professional responsibility, 
uh, and, and of course has violated a number of, 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 of criminal statutes. Uh, he has incited a riot <laughs> in connection with uh, the January 6th violent insurrection. He is, uh, of course, guilty of uh, rebellion or insurrection, which is another area that we cited in our letter to the uh, Attorney Grievance Committee. Uh, and of course, he is guilty of, of seditious conspiracy. And that is aside from the fact that he is under at least two publicly reported federal investigations uh, for other criminal conduct. Uh, he is a disgrace to the profession. And I know that people throughout the bar over the past several years have been raising this issue. And I'm really grateful to have helped to amplify those concerns and, and, and show leadership as to the issue of January 6th in the, in the days following. And, and I'm hopeful that the bar will, will do what the New York State Bar Association, a, a private entity, is doing, which is investigate the matter and, and uh, consider whether someone like that should continue to be allowed as part of, you know, your ranks. Well, Representative Jones, I want to thank you for being with us here on Miranda Warnings. I want to thank you for uh, your service uh, to our country, to the good people of uh, Rockland County and Westchester County in uh, di District 17 for New York's Congressional District. We're talking about some, and you're working on some very serious issues on Miranda Warnings. We have a, a lighthearted feature music book or movie, um, what's helping get you through this uh, quarantine these days? I am watching episodes of Lovecraft Country on HBO. Um, it is a, a phenomenal series. I have not had the occasion or had not had the occasion to read the book, um, but I'm, I'm a big uh, science fiction buff and really enjoy the, the, the acting on top of, on top of the storyline. Okay, thank you very much, Representative Jones. Good luck to you. Congratulations again on your uh, leadership in, in the House of Representatives, and we look forward to hearing more from you. Thank you so much. Happy to be here in the future. Thanks. Stay well. Since our conversation with Congressman Jones, previously unreleased footage of events from the Capitol insurrection were shown during the impeachment trial of Donald Trump. These chilling video clips show senators, members of Congress and their staff running down hallways to safety and barricading in offices just moments before the hallways were overrun, highlighting just how close this insurrection came to being even more violent and deadly. If you like Miranda Warnings, you have the right to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.